Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me again for this special month of guest co-host, Justine Frolker. (laughs) Justine, it is so good to have you back. Thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) Well, we're in part three of our Toxic Relationship Series. We have an incredible interview today with Gary Thomas, which um, I'm not sure if you're like me, but I, I kind of like started out marriage, you know, originally when I was um, getting married to my late wife, Amanda, and and read Gary Thomas's stuff and like had become a, a huge fan of his work. And then when we had the opportunity to interview him, I was so excited, but I was so intrigued because he was the guy that was constantly talking about marriage being about your your, your holiness and not your happiness mm-hmm. and stick, sticking to relationships. And then he comes out with this mm-hmm. book called When to Walk Away. Yeah. And so good. <laughs> it's so good. And, you know, as someone who has kind of now experienced brokenness and walked with people in brokenness, there's not as hard a line, you know, black and white um, lines drawn in life. There is a lot more uh, gray and wisdom involved in so many different mm-hmm. things. And so I'm excited for the listener to hear his thoughts on all of this. And of course, we've got uh, Deborah Faleta, our resident counselor, back at the very end of this interview. She's going to be providing some commentary on this. But I wanted to make sure that you and I had a chance to talk <laughs> a little bit about... This, I, he just, he schooled in this right? interview, I'm like, which I loved as a fellow, I'm, like as a therapist, I loved it. Yes. Well, you know, and that's where his work came from. It came from mm-hmm. this consistently meeting with people and running into situations and going, wait, the hard lines I was drawing that doesn't apply to this situation. Right. And um, I think that's what I love about Jesus, to be honest with you, is that he always took the, you know, the Pharisees at the time took the letter of the law and Jesus was always looking at the heart. And going, okay, let's mm-hmm. try to let's let's empathize and be compassionate to every person's situation and see how we can look into the heart of what's going on. And so, um, Justine, right. one of the things I thought we could kind of open up conversation about is thinking through some of the things, and you can provide some insight for us as to what keeps people in toxic relationships. You know, because last time we talked about right. identifying if you're in one and having mm-hmm. the courage to step up and do something about it, but there are oftentimes people stay in it because. They may not have much other choice. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I, a lot of times, as a counselor for years, I would say to my clients, like, stuck is is, is a choice. You mm. might have two really not awesome choices right. to choose between, but stuck is a choice. But when it comes to that toxic relationship piece, we have to look at things like finances, systemic things that keep people in an unhealthy, toxic relationship for much longer because it's not safe for them to leave because Mm. they have nowhere else to go because the resources are not there. And so looking at those situations and helping them, okay, what is it possible to set healthy boundaries even within that? Because right now it's not possible to get out. Right. We're not safe to get out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we, we've been working with some folks and coaching uh, different people and stuff, and we've run into situations where exactly what you're describing, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you have door A or door B that you can choose from, and neither one of these are uh, lacking in any or void of any kind of pain. Like, right. they're both, both going to be really painful. They're both going to be really hard. And what I try to encourage people is, is don't choose the door that's less painful. Choose the door that's Right. Right. Choose the door right. that the Lord well, is leading the, in. Right. And the right is usually going to be 
some of the toughest. Sometimes, yeah, oftentimes the right oftentimes, door right. is the hard door. But what's so great is yeah. that we have the Holy Spirit, the backing of the Holy Spirit who fights our battles for us that we can trust that even when we choose the hard, we walk through that door, that if it's the right door, if it's the one that God is, is leading us into, that he's going to take care of it. He's going to do the proverbial mm-hmm. parting of the Red Sea right. or you right. know, uh, making sure that, 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 that the sun stands still on our behalf, mm-hmm. those kinds of situations. And, and that he'll be there. Right. That he is there with us in it, that we can turn toward him. Right. Which, Not away. Which, which, you know, leads to other reasons why people stay in these toxic situations. They, they think that the pain of change is way greater than the pain of staying the same. Change is hard. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> change is so hard. Exactly. And so scary. Setting boundaries is really yeah. difficult for people uh, because so often we don't set them because the uncertainty of what's on the other side. We don't set them because we don't want to hurt someone mm-hmm. else's feelings. We don't set them because of maybe what an old pastor told us years ago. Right. Like so we we keep reacting from old hurt and trauma, which keeps us stuck in an unhealthy, toxic relationship Mm. instead of responding to our lives with Holy Spirit's guidance with, because there is this piece too, this like, and I love what he talks about with, with Jesus, like, yes, love all. And that doesn't mean that everyone gets to do whatever they want to you. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. It's still within boundaries, right? That's so good. Yeah. Well, and for some people, you're asking the question, like, how do you set up boundaries even if if it's necessary for you to stay in this toxic situation, Uh, right? Because you're right. To your point earlier, you said sometimes people don't have a choice. Like, sometimes it is necessary. If it's necessary, how do you still set up boundaries within that? There are still levels Mm -hmm. of agency and control that you have. I mean, but perfect example, right? Daniel chapter one, if you look in the Bible, you've got this guy, Daniel, who's been taken into slavery, essentially, captivity into Babylon, and he's essentially forced into all of these different things that, you know, the customs of this pagan country, and yet he steps up, raises his hand, and goes, hey, um, can I set a boundary right here? Can, like, can we can we not eat from the king's table? And and he's really masterful at negotiating this, right? He's like, well, just mm-hmm. let's try it out for a few days and let's see. And 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 what, you kind of be the judge of who is going to be healthier at the end of those situations. But this is a situation where someone was thriving by taking agency in the areas that they had a, agency. Right, right. And, and they were that, thriving the, in a toxic situation. Right, and know it. Like, not all of it's going to be in our control. Right. What is in our control to make change? And so, like, some a lot of times when I teach boundaries, I, I will use the simple metaphor of of fences. So, hmm. a boundary is not a ten foot brick wall that keeps everything and everyone out, and also keeps you in. That's a rigid boundary, wow, not yeah. healthy. Even in a toxic relationship, not healthy. A boundary is also not a chain link fence that anything can get through. Because think about how many times do you set a boundary and it's violated over and over and over. Well, that chain link fence is just being bent up and anyone can pass through it. Mm -hmm. And so I've always taught boundaries to be this. It's an eight foot privacy fence. You have a gate you control and and it's locked on your Mm. side. I have my own gate that I can control and it's locked. And we can kind of see each other through those slats, but we can hear each other because we need to ask for what we want and need. And I can say like, hey, Davey, can I can I come in your backyard? And you're like, nope, not today. Gate's locked, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, or you're like, yeah, come on in. And so like, th- does this get more complicated with toxic relationships yeah. or abusive relationships? Absolutely. Mm. And still there is some agency within that to set those boundaries. And sometimes it has to be this distinction of, 
an emotional boundary versus a physical boundary, yeah, that's right? Good. Sometimes we have to set this like emotional boundary of like, okay, this is what I know is in my control. I'm going to cope with this. I, I'm going to seek support here. And then it just continues to get violated over yeah. and over and over. Mm-hmm. And then somehow we have to turn it now into a physical yeah, boundary. That's really good. That's really good. Wow. So good. As, as you were talking about that, Sometimes I have a really messed up head. All I could think about too was was Wilson. <laughs> we all do. Just you know, so you know, you know Wilson do. on Home Improvement. He just kind of peers up over top oh, of the, right. <laughs> and you barely uh-huh. see. You just see right there. <laughs> That's why so you're talking about the fence. I'm like, I'm just imagining like, hey, Wilson Tim. going, "Hey, hey." <laughs> <laughs> I totally well, before we jump into what Gary has to say about all this stuff, it's such a great interview. I want to read to you uh, an email that somebody sent in, and uh, while you're listening to this, maybe, man, it would be so beneficial and helpful to us. We would appreciate it so much if you went to iTunes and rated and reviewed the podcast. We've got uh, 600 and some reviews right now. And Justine, I think that we should, let's go ahead and let's call it right now. I think we should try to get to a thousand. Yeah. Let's let's break the thousand mark of of ratings and reviews. So if you guys can help us do that, Mm -hmm. I'm going to read this email someone sent in. It says, thank you for starting this ministry. Nothing is wasted. Davey and family and for allowing us free podcasts. I hate doing the dishes. I don't have a dishwasher, so I let them pile up a bit and then sit down and do them. And while I do them, I put on your podcast, and it really helps make doing them so much better. I actually kind of want to do the dishes so I can sit and listen to more dishes, uh, sit and listen. And the more dishes I have, the longer I can listen to it. <laughs> um, just never get to them. I just never get to them otherwise, the podcast, I mean. But now it's a more peaceful, awesome time to do both listen and watch, or listen and wash. Each time I listen to them, I am so very touched by each of the stories. Sometimes tears flow out of what people have gone through and how they come, how they came through it and how God has shown to. Uh, how, how God was shown to be there. Thank you for this powerful ministry. Sometimes I have even bought a book and I don't love reading, but I just love the podcast so much. I decided to start from the very beginning, so it will take me a long time. I'm on episode 16. You, well, listen, oh my gosh. you've got a lot a lot of ways to go and <laughs> it gets awesome. better and better. So see, I have a long ways to go is what she says, but I'm, I'm grateful for them and you and your family. So sorry that you had to go through such pain to get here, but thank you for sharing your healing and you're helping uh, with others um, and have a super week. And, you know, I just want to thank you so much. That's from Sue. Sue, thank you. And uh, I will say this, that if you're listening to this, you've walked through some pain. That's the whole point of this podcast is that we want to continue to issue out that no matter what pain you've walked through, you can, you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be turned around for good and helping other people. And uh, even yes. though you're hurt as a person, you can help to heal people. Yep. Use it. Make it a gift. That's right. That's what it's meant for. Hmm. Yeah. And we would also love and appreciate if you headed over to Instagram and followed us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Share a screenshot, invite someone, share this episode with someone that you think it would touch. Yeah. And then finally, let's jump in and listen to Gary um, and his wisdom about toxic relationships. (laughs) Gary, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Davey. Thrilled to be here. Well, man, you know, I told you off the air just a second ago that your ministry and your, particularly your book, The Sacred Marriage, has had a profound impact in me. I absolutely love the premise of the book that marriage, God gave us marriage for, for not for happiness, so to speak, but for holiness. And that as we pursue holiness, then the byproduct of that becomes joy, a, a, a joy that is, is superseding of happiness. And so I just love the message that you're carrying. But you have uh, written this new book 
called When to Walk Away. And when I, I got to be honest with you, when I read the title of that, and and I knew too that you're you know you're the, the marriage guy who's like right, hey right. don't walk away don't walk. and I saw the juxtaposition of those two titles I said we've got to have Gary on to talk about this um, but before we dive into that Gary I want you to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself but tell tell us about your family what do you do right now what's what context are you in what kind of ministry are you doing yeah well uh, I'm been married for thirty five years. I'm on the teaching team and called the writer in residence at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. I'd been just self-employed as a writer or speaker for about 15 years before that. I've been here about nine and a half years. My children are full grown uh, all over the country, frankly. Um, one married, uh, two still single. So I, I write and I speak. I'm a man of very limited gifts. <laughs> I, I don't like to be in charge of people. I'm not very good with numbers. I'm a mechanical klutz. So <laughs> I'm just really glad the writing and speaking thing worked out or life would have been a little more difficult for me. So. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, as an aspiring writer and speaker, I will say that you have done a fantastic job. You've paved the way for so many of us who are kind of trying to figure out our way through all of that. So thank you. Your ministry has been profoundly impacting for me. For so many people, I know it's helped um, so many different marriages um, as, they've, as, as, as they've been working through really tough times. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about is this idea of working through some tough times. I know we have listeners who have found themselves in a very tough time. And this is an interesting conversation, this idea of when to walk away and the subtitle of it. Can you give us the subtitle? What was the yeah. what was the purpose of this? The subtitle is Finding Freedom from Toxic People. Okay. All right. So I'm imagining there's probably a lot of backstory behind this that inspired you to write this book. Can you give yeah. us a little bit of the premise behind this? Yeah. Well, I I was naive for a good part of my life, including the part of my life, frankly, that I wrote uh, Sacred Marriage. Uh, I'd been ensconced in this little corner up in the northwest part of the country, Washington, a little town called Bellingham. It's just below the Canadian border. And I never really had a concept of toxic people. I just thought mm -hmm. the love of God is always going to break through. If I was surrendered to the Holy Spirit, if I was familiar with scriptures and applied them appropriately, if I was walking in obedience and hearing God correctly, uh, eventually all relationships would be re reconciled and work out and everything would be fine. And I kept coming up against this one particular situation, just felt like I was hitting my head against the wall. Mm. And a good friend of mine named Dr. Steve Wilkie, he's been a friend for 15, 20 years now. He's been, also been a marriage and family therapist for over 35, understands scripture, understands people as well. He said, Gary, I want you to count in the book of Luke how many times Jesus was willing to let people walk away hmm. or they would walk away from him and Jesus wouldn't chase them or Jesus himself would choose to walk away. Because he was telling me rather than figure out what I did wrong in this relationship or how to fix it, that I should just walk away. And that was a foreign thought to me. That hmm. felt like a failure somehow. I'm not clinically OCD, but I live in the neighborhood right next door to it. <laughs> Very familiar with it. So when a counselor says you should count in the book of Luke, I've got to go to all four gospels. Mm. And this was eye-opening for me. I counted 41 citations 
where Jesus walked away from someone or let somebody walk away from him. Now, some of those refer to the same instance because of the synoptic gospels. Right. They'll talk about some of the same stories. But there were still over a couple dozen occasions where Jesus and someone else parted ways without the person changing, without the person agreeing that Jesus was right. For me, that always was counted as a failure. Hmm. I must have done something wrong. Of course, I didn't believe Jesus would ever fail. And so I realized my whole paradigm was faulty, that while I need to focus on a spiritual offense, what I said, being surrendered to the Spirit, knowing Scripture, being experienced, operating in love, walking in obedience, there's also room for spiritual defense. Mm. And it, it was like, Dave, this is what was weird for me, I can't count how many times I've read the Bible. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Dozens, I would guess, particularly the New Testament. And, and with this new lens that Jesus was willing to walk away, all of these other verses sort of had a frame to hang on. When Jesus said, don't throw your pearls before swine. Mm. When Jesus said, when somebody resists you, shake the dust off your feet. And then even many passages in, in Paul's letters, and even John, the apostle of love. How could somebody have an issue with John? Right. Um, John talks about this. It's just like I, I needed the eyeglasses for my eyes to be opened and say, you know what? There are toxic people out there. Jesus, Paul, John, warn us about them. Jesus modeled how to treat them. And it just gave me new energy for the second half of my life on now playing spiritual offense and defense. Mm. I think I can have even more of an impact, God's grace allowing. Hmm. This is this is really fascinating to me, Gary, because I'm kind of an idealist as well. Yeah. I kind of tend to think, oh, well, you know, especially when it comes to the power of God's Word and the power of the the whole the love of the Holy Spirit through you, uh, working through you, and I tend to think one plus one is going to equal two, right? This is going to yes. happen if I just stick into this thing long enough, if I just make this happen. And then yet, as you know, as someone who's seen devastation in in marriages as as a pastor, you know, people in our congregation and people that we, you you look at it and you go, and you've even found yourself on the other side of telling the other people like, hey, if you just X, Y, and Z, this is going to work out. But what you're saying is, is that's not always the case, that there, that there is a, uh, some kind of a, an indicator that, that perhaps this should be, there should be an alternative approach that we take to certain situations with certain people. Yeah. We, we have to be open to the reality of toxic people. Otherwise, we won't know how best to love them, to be honest. And sometimes walking mm. away from them is the best way to love them. Can you explain Maybe, that a little bit more? What, is, what do you mean by that? Toxic people are committed to control. Hmm. And that it's one of the things that's so different. In fact, I think that's one of the main markers of toxicity. And it's so opposite of who God is. What, what amazes me, as powerful as God is, as right as he is, I mean, there isn't a single time when you and I disagree with God where we're better off disagreeing with God. Whatever God <laughs> controlled us to do w would be for our good. Yeah. But he doesn't control us. Mm. The famous passage in Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. Um, the New Testament, 
talks about demonic possession, never talks about God possession. Even though we're filled with the spirit, Paul says very clearly, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets. So it's not this taking over like you see the demons do. And so when a toxic person wants to control you, they are determined, you will do what I want you to do. You will agree with me where I want you to agree with me. They're demanding something of us that even God, who is always right and powerful, doesn't demand. Mm. So what that means is they're seeking to become our God with a little g. And if we allow that to succeed, they're never going to change their means. Right. They're always finding success and browbeating people and tricking people and manipulating people. They're going to think, well, this is what works. And so letting them fail is the best thing we could do. It's what happened with Nehemiah. The best thing for Nehemiah with Tobiah and Sanballat and the others that tried to oppose him building the wall, people will remember the book Mm -hmm. of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, is that ultimately he said, you're going to fail. You don't want me to build this wall. God wants me to build the wall. He gets it done in less than two months, Mm -hmm. leads a whole congregation in worshiping and serving God, And the irony is, I believe in defeating Tobiah and Sanballat, who wanted to stop him, he served them because he showed them this is what happens when people follow the Lord. See this good, they're worshiping God. And so uh, I I think letting toxic people win or have their way isn't helping them. Mm. It's just continuing their toxic behavior. It enables it and exacerbates yes. the situation and allows them to continue to walk in that. That's really, wow, that's really good. You know, what's what's hard for me, especially because I do tend to come from this idealistic type mentality. And what's hard for me is maybe, maybe I'm just not very good at discernment in general. Maybe that's not one of my spiritual gifts, right? Spiritual gift is faith or, you know, like I believe this is going to really turn around for the good that if I can impart this into this relationship, that something beautiful is going to flourish out of it. Something's going to be redeemed. But Jesus had perfect discernment. He was able to discern rightly in every situation. This is a situation in which I continue to give and this is a situation in which I walk away. How, how do we discern that? Are there certain principles or guidelines for us on how to discern who's a toxic yeah. person? Who do I continue to invest in? And, and who, when is it time to just step away? I, I think first, it, it's just life-changing for people like you and me to realize that toxic people are out there, mm-hmm. right? Because without that basic understanding, we're, we're going to be easy prey for them. Yeah. I mean, here's how bad it was for me, Davey. I would, when, when, if we were to use the analogy of a toxic person having bad breath, we'll just call it bad <laughs> spiritual When I would encounter that situation, my first prayer would be, God, please heal my nose. <laughs> there must be something wrong with my nose. I don't want to think that this person stinks. Take uh, away this stink. Obviously, I'm being too sensitive. There's something wrong with me. Please heal me. When in fact, God could be saying, Gary, the reason you smell that stink is because there's something that stinks. You need to walk away. Mm. You need to get out of there. So I, I think first, it's just understanding they're out there. Jesus warns us. He says, if you give your, your your pearls to swine, I mean, pearls were so valuable then, you wouldn't see people with a string of pearls. Remember the yeah. parable Jesus said, a man sold all he had for a single, a single one. Pearl. Yeah. And, and so a pig 
doesn't understand how valuable a pearl is. Mm. It can't eat it. And so it resents it. And he says, it's going to turn, not only is he going to reject, he's going to turn and tear you to pieces. And so Jesus sort of said, I don't want you to be torn up. Mm. I, I don't want you to have to pay that price. What, what opened my eyes about this with Jesus talking about don't throw in your pearl before swine, don't throw your pearls before swine. Because Jesus went to the cross, and maybe, Davey, you, you felt this as well. I thought, I've got to be willing to be a martyr. I can mm-hmm. be persecuted. I can be beaten up. What opened up my eyes going through the New Testament with this walk away understanding is how many times Jesus sidestepped persecution before the cross. Wow, yeah. He went to the cross one time when he decided this is time for me to lay down my life. Mm -hmm. But there were numerous instances where it said they picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus slipped through the crowds or they determined to kill him. So so Jesus never went back to that town again. Mm. A number, several, five or six instances where we're told that Jesus said, not today. You don't get to abuse me today. You don't get to hurt me today. You're not going to persecute me today. So it was just this understanding that why we, while we need to be willing to lay down our lives, if God calls us to, martyrdom is real. Mm. We wouldn't choose it, but we have to be open to that. That there, there's also examples in Jesus's life when he decided this is the Father's will for me today. This is not the Father's will for me yet, and he was willing to walk away. So mm. we we have a lot of permission, I believe, without a divine call, that when we're interacting with a toxic person, the best thing to do is usually just to walk away. Now, what we haven't gotten to yet that I think is crucial, this isn't just about protecting our our sense of well-being or a livelihood, Mm. although those are good aims. It's about being focused on our ministry. For me, the best defense against toxic people is being devoted to healthy relationships where I'm pouring into the lives of reliable people. Mm. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, whatever you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people. Some translations use the word faithful who are qualified to teach other. Mm. So Paul's telling this young worker, and this is relevant for all of us, a lot of your ministry should be a focus on finding people that will understand what you've learned and you're pouring into them so that they'll pass it on to others. Mm. So if I'm busy trying to find reliable people, that's, that's sort of a filter. Is this person reliable? I would let toxic people have control over me because I thought, well maybe God will use me to fix them or, mm. or this or that, but, but I'm not called to fix the, uh, unconvicted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm called to invest heavily in reliable people. Wow. And so it's just a much better filter. Is this a reliable person? Is this a person worthy of spending my time with? Yeah. And if not, then I'm walking away to find that reliable person, not to go Netflix binge, (laughs) not to just, you know, be lazy, but to be more strategic. I don't want to work less. I just want to work more productively. Mm, That's really good. So so someone who's a reliable person, that's one filter by which we can kind of discern this person is... Not, maybe not just um, failing to meet those quote unquote expectations of reliability, but 
perpetually failing and not seeming like they care about it, not seeming like that they understand the gravity of how much that affected things. That would be a toxic person. That would be one instance of that. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. A, a controlling that we've talked about uh -huh. is a big thing. If somebody's controlling another aspect of a toxic person, I think is somebody that has a murderous spirit. Mm -hmm. Now that, that sounds really dramatic murderous spirit, mm -hmm. but I'm not just talking about somebody trying to stab you, right, and stop your right. heart from beating. What I mean is toxic people murder relationships, right? They're pulling you away from healthy relationships. They murder your peace. Mm. Their name comes up on your phone and your blood pressure spikes, <laughs> right? Yeah. They knock on the door in your house and you try to hide uh, because you say, I just, I, I just can't handle this right now. They murder workplaces. They gossip. They turn people against each other. They can murder a small church. They mm. murder your sense of sanity. They are masters at gaslighting. Hmm. They make you feel like you're crazy for believing what's true. They've given you ample evidence of their toxicity. You call it out and they make you feel like you're just so stupid or judgmental or intolerant or something that, that the problem is with you, mm. not with them. I, I, I've seen it in marriage where guys have murdered their wife's schedules. Mm. The wife has to do whatever they need to do. If she's got to cancel, if somebody has to cancel an event, it's always the wife. He'll mm. murder her occupation. If if he might have a better job somewhere else, she just has to forget about what she's doing and follow along. Murder her self-esteem by cheating on her. Mm. Murder her reputation by gossiping. I mean, that murder is a, is a wide term in the New Testament. And keep in mind, this is the opposite of God, who is a God of life. Right. God begins the Bible creating the heavens and the earth. He ends the Bible, Revelation, creating the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus said, I'm mm. the way, the truth, and the life. Life. Mm -hmm. So God is a God who gives life. And if you're with somebody where offices die, friendships die, ministries die, mm -hmm. reputations die, your own people, you just see this murderous swath behind them. Right. You're dealing with a toxic person. Christians bring life. They breathe mm. life. They bring encouragement. They bring people together. They they look for peace. They try to build unity. It's it's creating something, trying wow. to create a church while a toxic person is trying to tear it down. Wow. Trying to create a business, toxic person trying to tear it down. Create a family, a toxic person wants to tear it apart. So. Yeah. A murderous intent is a big marker of a toxic person. And then I just go to the book of Colossians. And I, I love Colossians because it was written to a brand new Christian community. Mm. There were no long-term Christians in Classic because they had just been Christians for months, not even years. And so Paul lays out for them very clearly this is how Christian people behave. They didn't know. They couldn't ask a dad or a right. grandfather or grandmother. I mean, they just so, – so Paul lays it out. And, and in Colossians 3, he just gives us this list that, that so clearly marks what a toxic person is and what a healthy Christian is. The toxic people are mentioned in Colossians 3, 8, and 9 when he says this. They, come, they become most alive when they exhibit anger, rage, malice slander, filthy language, and lying. Mm. And the healthy Christians are those, in Colossians 3, 12 to 14, says they're wired for compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, 
patience Hmm. and love. So if I'm walking with the Lord, if I'm receiving God's love, if I'm filled with the Spirit, I want to show compassion to others, not ill will, not anger. I want to be kind. I don't want to cause hurt to anybody. I don't want them to feel less about themselves. I want to display humility. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be arrogant or say, everybody listen to me or everybody do what I want to do. I want to be gentle. If people are messing up, I don't want to be harsh. I want to be gentle as God is gentle with me. But if I'm a toxic person, I'm bored in an environment where it's peaceful and encouraging. (laughs) I don't come alive unless I can divide and gossip and be angry and be conflict. And and when you see someone coming alive in the midst of conflict, that's when you know you're dealing with a toxic person, which is why I think it's best to walk away from those online fights. Wow. Because when you're in conflict with a toxic person, you're doing what they love. Yeah. Now, if you're a healthy person, it probably keeps you up. You wake up in the middle of the night. Why am I? Well, I don't, that's not who I am. Yeah. It's not who I want to be. The toxic person jumps out of bed they and they're excited right. to go do battle and do, mm. oh, here's a clever retort, or yeah. I'm going to show them. And, and it's just, we don't want to play that game. Mm. And so I think when you interact with the toxic person, here's the other reason to walk away. We're never more tempted to become toxic ourselves mm-hmm. than when we're interacting with the toxic person. We want to control people who are trying to control us. We want to be hateful yeah. toward people who are being hateful toward us. Tip and for so tap. Mm-hmm. part right. of the self-defense is walk away so that I don't act like the toxic person is mm-hmm. acting. Wow, that's really good. I'm really glad you, you mentioned that because one of the things we find when people are walking through difficult times, which so many of the people who are listening to this, they're walking through some kind of a trial or, or a tragedy in their life. It, and we say this often that hurt people can tend to yeah. hurt people, that, that yeah. there is a perpetuation of pain that happens. If you don't allow God to transform your pain, you'll transfer it onto other people. And sometimes, especially if you walk through something really, really tough, I mean, a number of different tragedies that are just so consuming and overwhelming, it's hard to recognize when you then are becoming that toxic person as well, where you're becoming, you know, so there's probably some people who are listening who maybe unbeknownst to them, they're becoming that toxic person. How, how would you suggest for them to begin to identify within themselves? I know you just listed a slew of really great things, but is there any way for us to go to, to make us wait a minute? I feel like I'm becoming toxic here. How do I write that? How do I reverse the ship? I, I would just point them back to that Colossians 3 passage. And say, am I becoming a person who values and pursues compassion? Am I a person who tries to display kindness? Am I gentle with people? Am I patient? Yeah. Or or am I harsh? Because what you said is is so true. Um, I've just had this interaction with a guy I'm thinking of. He was in a church, was not teaching good theology. Mm. And so now he's the theology police. Mm. And he can't hear anyone or read any book without writing a note yep. to the author about how. In, theologically- in some ways, it's like a trauma that he experienced. Yes. He's getting triggered by this trauma, and it's causing a lens on his eyes. And it's like, hey, man, this isn't the case for everywhere. Yeah, wow. Yeah. 
or you've been disrespected. So you have a hard time with authority, even proper authority. You yeah. accept all authority as toxic, mm. even though somebody might be exercising due diligence in what God has called them to do. Um, and, and, and so I, I think we need to be careful. And and it is, it is so sensitive to deal with this mm-hmm. because I get it when people are that hurt. How how it's impossible to see through that lens. It's like this: if I, I've I've never had cancer, mm. so if I wake up tired, I think maybe I didn't get enough sleep. Maybe mm. I'm coming down with a cold. A, a cancer patient wakes up and is tired for long. It has the cancer come mm. back? It, it, it's a natural thing. They've been hurt, and so they're looking for it again. And it's a tough thing, right? Um, to right. to leave that behind. And so I think that list in Colossians three is like, that's what I need to focus on the positive. I want to be compassionate. Why do I have ill will toward this person? I want to have love toward everyone. Mm. That doesn't mean I agree with everyone. It doesn't mean I allow toxic people to run over me. But even in the case of toxic people, I, I would rather have one more servant of God who's converted and convicted mm. than one less enemy. I, yeah. I think we need more workers for the kingdom. So wow. I don't want anybody to face ruin. I, I want them to come to Jesus and, and 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 join his cause, not my cause, Jesus's right. cause. Right. So uh, it, it's whenever I have hatred towards someone, you know, I'm I'm slipping into that toxic yeah. myself. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. I have author, counselor, and relationship expert Deborah Faleda here with me. By the way, she was featured on episode 101. If you have not listened to that episode, go listen to it. She has written this fantastic book, Love in Every Season. And Deborah, in this book, you issue that every relationship goes through four life-changing seasons. Can you explain that for me? You know, every relationship goes through a natural pattern that I call the four seasons of a relationship. And it starts with spring. Spring is the season of new beginnings. It's the time when our emotions are blossoming, our attraction is blooming. Then we move into the season of summer. Summer is when things get hot and we start to shed our layers, revealing the truth about who we are in this relationship. Summer is the season of intimacy. And then we move into the season of fall. Fall is the season when our true colors begin to shine through. And we learn about our ability to navigate conflict and communication. And then we move into winter, the season of steadiness and familiarity. Our emotions and our interactions have settled into a comfortable pattern. But if we're not intentional in the season of winter, we can find that our love has frozen over. Each of these seasons play an important role in how we navigate these seasons ultimately determines the health of our relationship. Thank you, Deborah. If you want to purchase this book, you can get it at nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash love in every season. You know, the reality, and you know this, Gary, I mean, we, we, we all, as we've been walking with the Lord, we recognize that pain, um, in our pain, God wants to use that to make our heart more malleable, to make it softer, to make it more empathetic, to make it more compassionate, to make it more aligned with 
the fruits of the Spirit, to excrete this new, this kind of Holy Spirit, this this um, this this sharper and uh, more more emboldened sense of the Holy Spirit inside of us, where we interact with other people in ways that that are producing more love and more hope. And yet, so often when people walk through difficult times their heart becomes hardened, you know? It's like instead of pain is supposed to cause us to what God wants, what He desires in in those, He wants to turn that around to cause our skin to get tougher so that things don't bother us as much, right? We're like, oh, but our heart to get softer to where we have more compassion and empathy for people. And yet we tend to allow pain to flip that for us. Our skin becomes soft, we're wounded, and so everything that even touches us causes us to scream, Right? And our heart becomes hardened. And I think it's important for people to recognize when they're starting to slip down that road of becoming a toxic person and to recognize when they're beginning to just see everything from the lens of, oh, that person's toxic. Oh, that per-. And you're like, hey, actually, I, you might want to look, <laughs> look in the mirror on that one as you're, it seems like you're demonstrating the evidence of something that's different than, than the fruits of the Spirit, that's different than love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And it's a kindness Mm. to point that out because we're all capable of going down that road. I mean, it's why I've told my wife, she knows there's three guys. I've given her the name. She has the phone numbers. I say, look, if I'm slipping down one of those roads, megalomania or just not treating you well or something, and I'm not listening to you, you have my advanced permission. Call one of these guys. Wow. You know, I, I trust them. They'll be honest. They'll be truthful with me because I, I don't want to be that guy. And I know every one of us is capable of being that guy. Yeah. And so I, I do think it is a gift to a toxic person to say, you're letting your hurt hurt others mm. uh, because otherwise they, they might know and it's the only way out. But what it's also called me to is a real place of humility. Mm. And this is where the guy who told me to count the number of times where Jesus walked away and Luke has also challenged me about my over-realized view that if I just know the scriptures, I'm yeah. surrendered to God, I'm hearing from God, I could be this spiritual wonder worker and everybody around me is going to be healed, even though I'm not fully healed, right? How that works. <laughs> um, and, and he just said, Gary, if if – you love someone and they needed a root canal, you wouldn't do the root canal. Mm. You might drive them to the dentist. You could pray for them. Mm-hmm. You're not going to try to, because you're not qualified. He goes, when you're dealing with some toxic people, I mean, he's got the PhD, right? He goes, there, there are some things that, that you're frankly not qualified to deal with. And so there's no shame in walking away yeah. any more than, look, I wouldn't be a tackle in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I'd be killed in the first play. I wouldn't, I mean, it would just be humiliating. I'm not qualified. I don't have the body. I don't have the skill. I would be wiped out. But somehow spiritually, we think there's really no individual, if we're really anointed and walking with the Lord, that we can't interact with in a way that results in change. Mm. What freed me up is realizing when Jesus walked away from people, how do I expect that everybody is going to be impacted by me when I reflect him as poorly as he can be reflected? So Mm -hmm. it it takes a little humility to recognize just because I walk away from this person doesn't mean God can't bring someone else that can reach him. 
and and perhaps they will. And maybe my walking away will increase their sensitivity. So the next person that interacts with them, they'll listen to that person. Hmm. But I've found interacting with them when they're not yet convicted doesn't do me any good and doesn't do them any good. Wow. I, I, I'm a bit older than you. So, I, and I don't want to sound How condescending you know to, to <laughs> listeners your age, but if people out there are listening to us and they disagree with me, mm. I, I can say with confidence, I believe if you look back, mm-hmm. I, I'm in my 50s, I look back, I've never had time invested with toxic people that's been productive. Mm. Now, I, I make a distinction between difficult people and toxic people. I make a distinction between hurting people and toxic people. But when I'm dealing with a truly toxic person, yeah, I have wasted way too much time, way too much thought, and way too much effort and gotten zero out of it. And, and that's just what I want to protect people from. Your time is valuable. You, you have the mission of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ. It's the most important message for anyone, whether they are rich or poor, young mm. or old, powerful, uh, weak, whatever situation. And you have God's Holy Spirit within you. It's not yeah. about you. He'll give you the gifts you need. He'll hold you up. He'll use you if you offer yourself to him. Who you are matters because of who God is within you. Mm. And so value your time. Mm. One of the, the main messages I've had with when to walk away is I think it's one of Satan's most clever traps. He knows he can't stop us from caring because God's spirit makes us care. Hmm. We want to love others. We see somebody, we want to help. That's God within us. It's not us on our own. And he also knows that God's love through us is powerful, that that it can, you know, water fields and create a great crop. Mm -hmm. And he can't stop us. He says, well, I can't stop the water from flowing through this man or woman, but here's what I can do. I can get him to pour that water straight down the gutter into the soul of a toxic person who not only won't be encouraged by it, but who will resent it, who will turn and tear you to pieces, to use the language of Jesus, and make you not want to spread that water anywhere else. Wow. And so toxic people soak up our love and care. They resent it. They make us gun shy. Mm. They make us timid. They make us question our message and ourselves and God's ability to use us. They try to sap up everything we are because the, Satan knows we're lost to God, Right. but he doesn't want us to bring anybody else with us. Wow. That's so good, Gary. You you just said that you also, you make a distinction between toxic person and a difficult person and yeah. a distinction between toxic person and a hurt person. Yeah. Can you help us understand some of those distinctions for yeah. the case of a listener? You know, I, I think about that, always having to divide that as a pastor and as someone who's trying to work with people who, you know, and helping people come along. And scripture says that we who are stronger should bear with the failings of the weak. And so, you know, that we're shepherds to a flock. And so maybe someone's in, in ministry or they're, they have a heart for ministry. You know, they're, they're a follower of Jesus. So they have a ministry, no matter what, if you're a follower of Jesus. And so they, we should be helping people who are hurting and helping people who are difficult. But you're saying there's a distinction between those. How do we rightly divide that? I think one of the key distinctions is humility. Mm. You look at the life of Jesus. He walked away from toxic Pharisees. Mm -hmm. 
uh, he let the rich young man walk away from him. Now, I don't believe the rich young man was toxic, but Jesus didn't chase after him. Mm. He, he let him go. But here's one time when somebody said to Jesus, leave, and Jesus didn't leave. When he first presented himself to Peter and he showed himself powerful, well, it wasn't first. It was uh, after he had risen from the dead and then the mm-hmm. – and, and Peter said to Jesus, go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, you know what, Peter? I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men. Mm. And so he saw the humility. Yeah, I know you realize you're not worthy of me. You're not. <laughs> but I can do something with that. Mm-hmm. So when people showed themselves arrogant and proud, Jesus let them walk away or he walked away. When they showed that humility, wow. he said, hey, let's, let's talk a little bit more. It's example I have in the book is a husband who was very controlling. I mean mm. – he and his wife had to eat Mexican food every day of the week. He wouldn't go to the same restaurant, but it always had to be Mexican food. They had to make love on a particular night in a particular position, in a particular way. Um, they watched certain shows that he had set up. Mm. Uh, he, he was controlling her until she was losing her mind. And then he was even tracking her. All right. It was oh, getting wow. really scary. So she was done and she'd even filed oh, – she hadn't filed papers. She'd filled out the papers for divorce, yeah. hadn't, hadn't filed yet. She said, I just can't live like this. I'm being mm-hmm. controlled. And it is. It's dehumanizing. It, yeah. it's so, so she'd laid out all of these things and more that I haven't had time to share. And I looked at him and I said, is this true? And he said, everything she told you is true. And I want to change. This isn't who I want to be. Now, you've got to be careful as a pastoral counselor or friend because a lot of times toxic people can act humble to keep their platform of abuse. Mm. They get a sick satisfaction out of controlling people or terrorizing people. And in front of a pastor that's a little bit naive, sometimes they can make it. So we set up some very clear guidelines. There was a separation. He wasn't allowed to contact her unless she first texted him. Mm. And he could only text back if she did the text. So we made him completely give up control. Right. And he spent time repenting in that small apartment, spent time praying and fasting and reading scripture. This was years ago. And today I just talked with him a couple months ago. It's still going on. They have a renewed marriage. His wow. wife is in love with him. He's serving her. He's not controlling her. The key there was his humility. Mm. He admitted this is sick. It's not right. I want to get better. I'm going to submit myself to the Lord. Hmm. If somebody's got conviction, I believe we can pour in counsel. I believe we can invest time. But I've just learned this four phrase thing, no conviction, no counsel. If Hmm. I'm not sensing conviction, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting their time. I'm going to make them angry. They're going to make me angry. And it's best just for us to walk away from each other. It's not going to be a productive encounter. Wow. I'm glad you mentioned marriage because I'm curious as to how, as we've been talking about toxic people, and then you just laid out one example, I'm curious to how the teaching of walking away coalesces with marriage and especially in, you know, in the church. I mean, obviously scripture talks about, you know, the, the, the sanctity of marriage and the, um, you know, the, 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 the word really speaks to this, this idea that we're called to be in a life, 
time committed relationship. And sometimes I feel like in the church, there can be this over abuse of that um, and a whole counterculture where, you know, you have like what you said, controlling men who are lording things over lording submission or whatever over a woman. And you have maybe vice versa, a woman who's holding certain scriptural truths over a man to keep them in a particular set of behavior. How does this idea of recognizing toxic people, dealing with toxic people, walking away from toxic people, how do you converge that with marriage and God's heart for marriage and, and when to know when it's right to, to stick it out and fight through it and when to walk away? Because I know we have so many, we work with so many people, Gary, who are in right in the middle of that. You know, I can't tell you how many times we've had this question asked. Um, my wife now, she comes from a divorce situation. So now because of that, on our platform, people are asking us so many times, when, when is it right for me to divorce? When is it not? What does that look like? This might be a massive thing for you to try to unpack right here, but I'm really curious. I think your experience and expertise could really add some value to, to that conversation here. Yeah, thank you. One of the things that terrifies me about writing books is I know they're going to be misinterpreted. <laughs> a sacred marriage has now just about crossed 1 million copies mm. sold. Uh, it, it's a huge milestone. Just for me as a writer, I always wanted to be a writer to have a book that hits that. But I'll never forget a couple years after it came out, I was appalled when I heard that some people were were interpreting what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy mm -hmm. and how God can use a difficult marriage as a bludgeon to keep women in an abusive mm. marriage. And I, I, there's, a, there's a difference between difficult and abusive and, and dangerous, and, but it was handled. And to be honest, I, I have that same fear with this book that some might say, well, I'm just saying walking away at the, at the easiest, mm. you know, at, at the slightest sense of trouble. I, I, I was talking about this with the editor of a magazine, and, and she just said it was great where she goes, Gary, the Bible's misinterpreted every day. Wow. You know, welcome yeah. to the club. And yeah. I thought, God That's is good. such a clear <laughs> communicator, and people miss that. So yeah. it's going to happen. But here's, here's what I do when it comes to marriage. I, I, I set it up. I believe we have to respect God's authority, but we also resist evil. Mm. Every time in the New Testament, when God says he ordains something, he then steps back. For instance, he says, respect government. God has given the government authority. And then there are clear instances when we know we must disobey the government and we must obey God first. He tells parents, don't, um, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then flips over. Uh, parents, don't exacerbate your children. Mm -hmm. Don't exasperate your children. I'm sorry. Don't exasperate your children. Um, he, he says, husbands or wives, submit to your husbands, Colossians 3. But husbands, love your wives and never be harsh with them. Mm -hmm. So whenever he's saying there might be some kind, and I know that freaks some people out talking about a marriage. I just, I, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to put it all together saying wherever there is authority in scripture, if you keep reading, there's the, but you know what? Don't abuse that authority. Mm. And there might be a time when you break it because scripture is so clear and Jesus is so clear. Mm. The only ultimate authority is God. Yeah. Right. And Jesus even says in one passage, passage when he says, no one who has left mother, father, children, wife mm -hmm. for my sake 
will. And so there's even a specific incident in Jesus's direct teaching from his mouth where while I believe that when two people commit themselves to the Lord, Jesus will bring that marriage together. Jesus is warning that his allegiance is so demanding that if another person doesn't share that allegiance, faith in Jesus can tear a marriage apart. Mm, Now I I go into a lot to build that up and to explain it, but that's to relieve the guilt because one person, Jesus says, can torpedo a marriage. And it doesn't mean that God didn't ordain it. God ordained the Sabbath. Yeah. In fact, it was so serious in the Old Testament that if you were caught breaking the Sabbath, the penalty was death. And yet in the New Testament, Jesus said, you know what? You're using the Sabbath to abuse people, not to help them. Mm. God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, I'm going to go with that. And so Mm. when I see a marriage being used to destroy a person, to suck the life out of them, to keep them from serving God. Yeah. I think we're putting an institution above a person, and I just don't believe that Scripture does that. Wow. Um, so uh, I I do believe there's a – the way you can look at divorce is this. It can be a tool or a weapon. Mm. When it's used as a weapon, I've grown tired of you. We just feel distant with it. Maybe it's just better to just go our own way and start over with someone else. I, I think that's a weapon. Mm. I don't think it's an appropriate use of scripture, but it can be a tool like chemotherapy is a tool. If it's the only thing that can heal or save a person, it would be monstrous to give somebody chemotherapy who didn't need it. Right, right. It's not monstrous. It's loving to give chemotherapy to a person that needs the cancer to die for them to live after that. Mm. And sometimes divorce is that chemotherapy where when they're dealing with the person and and just is my appeal to pastors and friends that I have seen when you're dealing with a truly toxic person, they know the language. They talk about reconciliation. They even know how to cry on cue, not because they want to be reconciled. They don't want to lose the opportunity to terrorize. And, and it, it took me a while to be aware of evil that great. I just didn't want to think of somebody that way. Yeah. But I have a whole chapter on the skeleton of Scripture that talks about creation, fall, and redemption. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we skip the fall. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell you, I got to tour Guantanamo Bay, mm-hmm. right, where we held the, um, the terrorists who— Yep. Plan some attacks against our country, whatnot. And when you see a certain level of evil there, my naivete wore off being a pastor yeah. in the fourth largest city in the nation and seeing what some put their spouses through, yeah. how, how women, and in some cases, men, their souls were being sucked dry. They were being slowly destroyed. The mm. life was being squeezed out of them. And it really was a case, either the marriage will survive and this person will die, Mm. or the marriage has to die so this person can be reborn and live. Those are extreme cases, but they exist. Mm. And instead of making people who have to choose that to feel guilty, we should support them and encourage them and say, God has a great future in store for you. Wow. Wow. So, so well-spoken on that, Gary. Thank you so much for that insight. I, one more question on this, and, and I just appreciate so much your time. Um, the, is, there a, is there a way, once we, once we determine someone is toxic, is there a way for us to, what, how would you suggest that we 
actually go about that walking away? I know every case can be different, right? But uh, I, I think I think what I really want to maybe lead you into emphasizing is just this idea of can we walk away in an honoring way? And can yes. we can we is, are, is there certain things that we should uh, maybe keep in mind as we're going about the act of walking away? Um, I'm also I'm an idealist, but I'm also conflict averse. <laughs> you know, I'm like. <laughs> I don't like conflict. I don't like the actual cutting the, making the decision and cutting the tie and the, so what's a healthy way for, for someone who is a healthy person and wanting to maintain healthy relationships, what's the healthy way for us to walk away? Since we just talked about marriage, let let me deal with that. And, And let me stress this. If a woman in particular, and I don't mean to be sexist here, but there's just more physical vulnerabilities, not always, but many times there is if you think there could be any violent repercussions it is vital mm. meet with a counselor who can affect a safe separation because if somebody is controlling and potentially violent the thought of losing control can elicit more mm. violence mm-hmm. or the first instance of violence so i would right. say in that instance don't try it on your own you yeah. need to walk away strategically with experienced counseling help. Yeah. Uh, and I'm by this I mean a licensed counselor. You want mm-hmm. somebody that really knows their stuff and can help you. In other cases, like with a parent, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking of an adult talking to an adult parent here. Uh, I, I can think of a case where um, one father who was physically abusive to his son and uh, realized that he lost his kid's childhood because of the way he acted was excited when his son started having kids. Cause he's thinking I get a do over right mm. now I can have my grandkids over. And so he asked his son, when did they get to spend the weekend? And he said, I'm never leaving them alone with you. Mm. And he said, well, you haven't forgiven me. Have you see, if you'd forgiven me, you would let me watch your kids and aren't Christians supposed to forgive? You're not acting like a Christian. Well, he's being abusive in that. Right, I mean, right. his, his son had no reason to believe that he was healed or wouldn't re- right. treat his kids the way he had been treated. And so he, he just was, I, I believe said the right thing. He says, look, it's not about forgiving you. Uh, it's not safe for them to be with you. Yeah. And if you bring this up to my kids, and try to go around my back and ask them directly, you won't see him even with us. Mm. But I'm telling you, you will never be alone with them. Mm. I, I think that was a statement of love because he says, it's not about forgiveness, but you are, you know, this, this right. is who you are. Right. And I'm not going to risk my children to curry favor with you. Another instance where it was the mom who was so abusive and, he, and, and this mother made her daughter-in-law feel like dirt. Mm. And so the wife finally came to the husband and said, it takes me months to recover having a Christmas with your mom. I just can't, be, it's, you know, it's been a tough year that had some issues with their kids. She goes, I, I just don't think I can go there on mm. Christmas. And, and so we had, Gear, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I'm supposed to honor my mom. I said, you honor her by treating her as if she's healthy. I said, say this, if my son called me and said, dad, I'm sorry, just for the sake of my marriage, we we, we can't spend Christmas with you. It it would break my heart, but I hope I would say, son, I'm proud of you. Mm. You're doing what a a good husband does. You're protecting your wife. That's what I raised you to be. I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Good job. Uh, we'll, We'll miss you. 
I hope we can work this out. I go, that's what a healthy person would do. And you honor your mom by acting as if she's healthy. You just say, you know, uh, this is what's happening. You don't throw your wife under the bus. Mm. Mom, you know, I'd like to go, but uh, my wife is so sensitive. I'm sorry. No, this is your decision. This is your mom you're holding up. And you have to stop worrying about how unhealthy people respond to a healthy choice. Mm. If she loves you as a son, she wants you to put your marriage first. And yeah. so you walk away just by you honor me. I'm treating you as if you're healthy. And if you're not, how you respond is on you, yeah. not on me. And and for me, Davey, it's just, it's life changing not to own someone else's response. Mm. The only thing I can own is what I say to them and the fallout that's on them. It's on them. Wow. I can't own it. I can't. Again, it's not what's wrong with my nose. Please, please heal my no. If they have bad breath, that's on them. Wow. It's not on me. Wow. Gary, this has been an uh, unbelievable conversation. I've, I mean, I've got a p- full page of notes right here <laughs> personally. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for spending time with us and speaking into uh, our listeners. And um, uh, I want to make sure the listener knows this this book just released. You can pick it up anywhere that you can uh, buy books. So Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, all that. But it's called When to Walk Away. I promise you, I'm definitely going to be getting my hands on it. On it. I'm going to be reading it. And I, I want to make sure you guys do as well, because I think this is really going to help you as you're becoming whole and healthy and as you are having um, healthy relationships. So Gary, thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you. I know you can have so many people on. I'm very grateful. You chose to uh, have this conversation. Thank you. Man, what a wonderful interview with Gary. Uh, That was kind of a bucket list for me, honestly. I'm so glad that we got to hear Mm. from him. Uh, But before we conclude this episode, we want to make sure that we hear from Deborah, our resident counselor on this series. So Deborah, let me hear your thoughts. You know, it's important to understand that toxic relationships can come in all different shapes and sizes, you know? There's not really a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to toxic relationships. And maybe you're in a relationship with somebody who is manipulating, controlling, critical, and harmful. But maybe you're in a different kind of toxic relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship in which you're giving and forgiving and pouring and investing and not getting anything in return. And I think a lot of times we fail to recognize that one-sided relationships can be toxic. You know, if you think about a plant, if you give a plant too much water, it will die. And if you give a plant too little water, it will also die. And I think we need to realize that relationships are like that. You know, as we take inventory of the relationships that we have, with the people around us, our friends, our coworkers, our peers, our family members. We've got to take inventory of how healthy this relationship is. And one way to do that is by asking ourselves, am I giving and giving and giving without receiving? And if that's the case, what is it inside of me that is okay with a one-sided relationship? Because in its own way, one-sided relationships are toxic. 
And a lot of times the reason that we go into one-sided relationships is because we believe that somehow we're the rescuers, you know? We believe that deep down our job is to rescue this relationship, to rescue this person from their sin and struggle, to rescue the toxicity. But many times that rescuer mentality is coming from our own past. And, and, may, and maybe you look at your history and you were in a relationship when you were younger where you had to be the rescuer and you had to be the peacemaker and you had to be the person that kind of held it all together. And sometimes we take those roles and we carry them into our present relationships. You know, we start engaging in one-way relationships because we're so used to one-way relationships. Maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. Maybe you're the person who gives too little in relationships and you fuel toxic relationships by being the person who doesn't give enough. And maybe you look at your past and you see a pattern of, you see a history of being wounded, of being hurt, of being betrayed or abandoned, and you just can't trust people. And so you enter relationships with the inability to give, with the inability to let your walls down, with the inability to be vulnerable because you're afraid, you know, and and whether we give too much in relationships or whether we give too little, we fuel toxic relationships out of fear. But God calls us to live our relationships out of faith and not out of fear. And it's really important to come to terms with the role that we have in relationships and which side of the spectrum we're on. Are we on the side that's enabling toxic relationships or are we on the side that's causing toxic relationships? But either way, we need to recognize it and bring it to God for healing from the inside out. You know, one thing that came to mind as I was listening to Gary talk is the question, why do we stay in toxic relationships? You know, what keeps us there? And, and why do we continue to engage and continue to give and continue to forgive? You know, as a counselor, I work with a lot of people who struggle and, and they struggle to get out of these relationships. You know, they're, they, they're feeling stuck in these toxic relationships. And for so many people who will say, give too much in relationships, a lot of times it's rooted in the experiences of their past. You know, maybe they grew up in a home where they were the ones responsible for bringing peace to the home, or maybe they grew up with a parent who was an alcoholic and and that parent was not there for them, was not emotionally available for them the way that they needed. And so many times that emptiness, the, the things that we didn't get in our family of origin are things we tend to repeat later on in relationships. And so here we are in a current relationship with someone who's toxic. And all of a sudden we find ourselves back to our family of origin. But before we couldn't change things, before we had no power, before we had no control. And now we unconsciously think, I can change this. I can change this person. I can win them over with my love. I know that if I just stick it out, it's going to get better. But what we don't realize is that we are not responsible for that person's actions. We're not responsible for their toxic behaviors. And it's so important for us to realize that it is not healthy to see someone for who they could be. We've got to see them for who they are today and how they're functioning today. A lot of times we want to see the potential in somebody. 
And so we allow their toxic behavior in the present to continue impacting us and to continue harming us. And we continue to make excuses and engaging in a relationship that we were never meant to engage in. You know, Gary reminded us today of the importance of setting boundaries the importance of protecting ourselves from unhealthy relationships so that we can protect our hearts to do what God has called us to do. There's a passage in scripture where God tells us to guard our hearts. And one thing I love about that passage is the reminder that we're responsible for our own hearts. You know, God tells us to guard our own heart. He doesn't tell other people to guard it for us. And so what does it look like for you? to step away from that role that you've had in your past? What does it look like to you for you to say no to toxic relationships? What does it look like for you to set those boundaries and step away from the relationships that are bringing you down? I, I really believe that as you get healing from those things, as you begin to dive into the things from your past that are influencing the way that you do relationships in your present, as your past begins to heal, so does your present relationships as well. All right. Thank you, Deborah, so much for your counsel on that episode and interview. And we, of course, want to give a shout out to Ryan O'Neill of Sleeping at Last for his brilliant and beautiful mm -hmm. music. You can find his music at all of the platforms where music is streamed. Yep. Yep. Next week, Justine, we have an unbelievable interview. This is one of those. Unbelievable. This is one of those that we heard about because she wrote in and you're going to hear all about it next week. I don't want to give away too much, so but this is with Sierra Weiss. It's the, the, the fourth part and the conclusion of our toxic relationship series. And so before we sign off, why don't you listen to this little clip from next week's conversation with Sierra Weiss. I accepted the Lord at an early age. I loved the Lord with all my heart. I loved going to church, going into high school. Um, me and my husband both attended church. We were on fire for the Lord, both felt a calling into ministry. And as soon as we graduated high school, um, our first step was going to Bible college mm -hmm. here in Georgia, um, a satellite campus affiliated with Southwestern Assemblies of God University. So we were, I mean, we were going after it. Yeah. I was a fireball. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love just speaking the word and I love speaking as truth and speaking into the lives of others. But what I didn't share with people and what I kept suppressed since I was a little girl and I experienced a lot of trauma was that I struggled with same sex attraction. And that was something that I was ashamed of because I also grew up in a church environment where you didn't talk about that. Yeah. Um, it was preached from the pulpit. You know, if you have attraction, if you live in this lifestyle, if this is anything you're facing or going through, you know, there's no hope for you. You're mm -hmm. going to die and, and burn in hell. And that was just the narrative. And so I was scared and I was ashamed. So I kept it suppressed and suppressed and I just didn't acknowledge it. I thought, you know what, if I don't acknowledge it, if I keep it suppressed, then it'll go away. Mm. 